Welcome to WP Tonic Roundtable Podcast, where a panel of leading WordPress junkies discusses the latest WordPress and internet stories of the week. Now, on with the show with your moderator, Jonathan Denwood. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. Um, this is episode 543. We've got a great panel. We've got a, a friend of the show coming back. Hopefully, she will be joining us reasonably regularly as well. We've got Heather Wild returning. We have, Heather, it's been a while since you've been on the show, but thanks for coming back. We had your your better half on the show last week. You did an excellent job. Um, so you, you're a bit injured, dear. You're a bit suffering, but you still chose to uh, be with us on your Friday, didn't you? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I mean, I, I just had surgery this week, and uh, I'm still in the, the painkiller haze. So I'm interested to see what comes out of my mouth when I watch this back later. Yeah, so are we. You know, nobody would. Last time I was on painkillers <laughs> on this show, it was a very interesting episode. Sally and John still remember it, don't you, Sally? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, um, yes. Even so, fewer inhibitions than usual. Yes, that's saying something, isn't it? Uh, um, Spencer, would you like to quickly introduce yourself? Sure, Spencer Foreman from launchflows.com. And I've got Sally. Sally, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, I'm Sally Getch, Rhymes with Sketch, the WP fangirl. All right, and I've got my friend John Locke. John, would you like to introduce yourself? John Locke from lockdownseo.com. And before we go into the stories of the week, I just want to talk about one of our great sponsors. That's Kinsta Hosting. Kinsta Hosting is a specialized WordPress hosting provider. If you've got a WooCommerce learning management system, anything that needs really great hosting performance, you should look at Kinsta. They've been hosting the WP Tonic site for the past three years. They're a great WordPress specialized hosting provider. You get all the performance of Google Cloud, technical knowledge of the highest level, reliability and performance. If that sounds interesting for yourself or for your clients, and it should do, go over to Kinsta, have a look at their packages and buy one of them. And do the show a favor. If you do do that, can you please tell them that you heard about them on the WP Tonic show. So let's go into the first story of the week. WordPress contributors discuss launching an official block platform directory. What did you think of that one, Sally? Well, I think uh, I, I like block patterns. I mean, you know, they, they were a thing that we needed earlier on. Who doesn't? I, I used to, uh, uh, you know, I, I used to fake block patterns out of reusable blocks. And then you have a huge collection of reusable blocks. And I think that since they now have a directory for individual blocks, a directory for block patterns would make sense. That you know you could integrate it the same way they did the block directory for adding them if you don't have them. Uh, it it does make a lot of things you know. And of course, this is one of Spencer's favorite <clears throat> objections to Gutenberg. It, it does squeeze a lot of stuff into a pretty narrow panel in terms of uh, choosing them. Uh, but I. Uh, think it's a think it's a good idea and the more patterns are available to more people the easier it is to you know get a site up and running quickly for all those many cases where you need a website you know to create it on a on a low budget in a short time period uh, 
Uh, and as long as it looks good, it doesn't have to be uh, super customized. Yeah, we go. The, so, Spencer, the man on the mission to update Gutenberg. So, what did you think? <laughs> what did you think about this one, Spencer? This is like being in a sort of a, a I don't want to use the term abusive. That's not a fair word, but this is like being in a in a dramatic relationship. I don't understand why Gutenberg has to fight every single thing that everybody else before them has already established when it comes to metaphors. For example, why does it have to be called block patterns? Can we just call it templates or layouts? Why is it that the drag and drop capability can't just really be drag and drop, but it's click, hold, something upside down, inverted? Why is it that the, like, they could just make their lives so easy if they would just give in to what everybody else has already done and just make it native to WordPress, right? Like when you drive on the highway, you expect in America, people are on the right side of the road and stopping at those red, you know. Oh, that's where I'm going. That's where I'm going, Rod. Yeah, I know, right? So it's like stop does not mean go faster. And in the same way, of course, a template library or a block pattern thing is a good idea. Of course, it makes sense if you could just drop the blocks on the page and save them as a group. Right now, it's 67 guesses as to how to make that happen. I've got to say to the listeners in the area northern Nevada where I live, in my local area, they've been doing a lot of road construction and they've installed a number of uh, roundabouts and it's been quite amusing to watch Americans, oh, Americans having to watch clear. Americans cope with the concept of a roundabout. I love roundabout. Uh, 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 it's been very, it's been very educational, actually. Uh, um, so, John, what did you think of this story? I'm going to leave Heather to last because I have no idea if she's got any any idea. Firstly, what the hell we're talking about, and B, she's interested at all. So, John. Uh, what did you think of this? Yeah, uh, block block pattern library. That would be a good uh, thing to have if you want this new editor to succeed, because that was the whole reason why WordPress got popular in the first place was having the plugin repo and the theme repo. So I, I think it makes a lot of sense because people who are just now coming to WordPress who haven't been in it for like six, seven, ten years, uh, they're going to need something like this in order to to make it work for them if they're setting up a, uh, a site. So, yeah, I'm all for it. Anything to make this transition easier. Right, Heather. We're talking about the ongoing drama of Gutenberg. Have you got anything to say about it, or do you want me to get as quickly as possible on to start story? No, no, too, no, Heather? I do. Uh, so... Like I, I am someone like I, I, I hate the way that Gutenberg looks. I actually change the change it back to classic all the time. But I recognize that um, not everybody's a coder, and not everyone likes to get into like doing HTML or or the like even like me going directly to the PHP and and writing stuff direct like that. Um, so I think that for uh, the the non designers, the non developers, like blocks are great. And, um, as far as like, whether you should call them layouts or block patterns or whatever, like I, like, I don't have a dog in that fight, but, um, I think that it's, it's always great to have a template gallery. Um, because when somebody's coming new and in, into, uh, into design, uh, I mean, I think it's, it's 
beyond late that WordPress is doing this now. Um, they should have done this a long time ago. They should have had this ready when Gutenberg was released. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's only a good thing. Right. I would like to ask Ali. Uh, ask Ali. I'd like to ask Sally something. Mm -hmm. Since you seem to be the most familiar with Gutenberg, what is the logic? What is the response? Because again, I don't want to pick on the particular people who are volunteering their time, but like Heather just alluded to, this sucker's been out for what over a year, right? Like, two, are they end, end of twenty eighteen? So almost two, two years. Two are years. they are they actually sitting around debating? what metaphors to use here? Like, are they literally confused? Because you can look at any of the major page builders. They all do the same thing, just different icons. But like an iPhone, we're not, we're, every phone looks like this now. Are they really sitting there debating how they should achieve the, the, the how does a page builder work kind of metaphor? Because that's what blows my mind. It's one thing if you have a little aesthetic difference, like Divi is very heavy handed and has lots of iconography and blah, 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 whereas Elementor is minimalist. That's different. This is just like, hey, it's templates with widgets and save them inside of a library and you just drag stuff around. Why is it so hard two years later to get to this when they're trying to say that this is the fundamental core thing? And I'm not picking on anyone, but like I went into this uh, thing this weekend with a rant where to move the thing left to right, you have to click on the button that has up and down arrows on it and hold it. And I only found that after an hour of searching and there was a very nice person moderating that board who apologetically said, I'm really sorry, this really is dumb, but this is the way it is and there's nothing I can do about it. Maybe we'll get better in the future. Like what's going on over there? I'm not sure. I mean, I have not like followed the discussions about, you know, why they choose to name things. And my my guess with, you know, block patterns versus template is, is that WordPress already had templates and those were a different thing. Uh, yeah. And they will have yeah. templates in HTML uh, uh, for newer themes, and those will still be a different thing. Uh, but it is, uh, you know, it, it does make the learning curve harder to yeah. use terminology that isn't familiar. The, the stuff like that idiocy with with the uh, drag handle, um, and I've seen some of the discussion that's gone back and forth between the uh, accessibility team, which was incensed about it, uh, uh, and uh, the editor team, which seems to be like, well, we're trying to make this sort of, you know, very uh, sleek, compact, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> toolbar, and uh, it, it, we just couldn't fit everything in. And, <clears throat> you know, and we're not sure like how we can, how we can make that work. And clearly, like, you know, people had not been thinking about that in advance to answer that question ahead of when they were rolling things out. And that's, seems not so unusual for the way WordPress happens, uh, that even though people are in, uh, you know, in conversation often, uh, sometimes the communication is a little bit lacking. Well, yeah. it's, I mean, it, it's it, not to, I'll let the John close the thing, sorry, but it's like, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago with UI and being clever and old people versus young people. And it seems to me like somebody there is trying to be, oh, so goddamn clever because the biggest thing, if anybody's actually gone from cold, trying to use classic, cold, trying to use Gutenberg, cold, trying to use Elementor or Divi, Gutenberg, just fundamentally, 
you can't even identify the places to click. You have to roll your freaking mouse over a very small spot, and it's depending on one micrometer up or down, you get a different result. And then you have to click like the tool. Yeah, but Spencer, thing. Spencer, you should be you should be faithful to Gutenberg. You, you know, you should be saying, moving to these other like, platforms. Like, like I honestly had avoided it like the plague until this week this week when I had to do a rewrite of launch flows and I was thinking of Sally the whole time. Not that I don't anyway, Sally, of oh gee, maybe I'll make it that people actually want to use like Gutenberg instead of classic. So I figured I'll make it compatible. And don't get me started with the JSON and all the other areas. Yeah, I think we need to move on before you go on on one of your rants. So let's go on to let's go on to let's go on to story two. Uh, um, Spencer (laughs) ranting about Gutenberg edition of the Yeah, right. Uh, um, Trump can Trump campaign site hacked what we know and lessons learned. Um, What did you think of this one, John? And it was, thank was, God it was Expression Engine. That's what I was like. <laughs> what was his password? It was like uh, MAGA20 or uh, something, something like that. It was like MAGA2020 exclamation point. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. I have to have that in there to make it a strong password. I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised. I mean, what can you say? Weak, weak passwords. Um, I've I have had clients in the past that have used passwords that are on the weak side because oh, password. It's easy to remember. And even if you tell them like, hey, use a strong password, they go and change it because they want something easy and they can't remember it and they don't want to use a password manager or anything like that. Um yeah, I love this article by WordFence. And by the way, if you're looking for a, a company to clean up a hacked site, WordFence is a great one uh, to use. But uh, it, it, they examine kind of the probability of how this hack happened. And, you know, whether it was like low, medium, or high probability. And it was probably just somebody just sat down and, and just hacked it uh, <laughs> really easily. Well, like the was, person who hacked the Twitter was, um, account. Yeah. It was pretty obvious. It was somebody that know that had word this had experience in that yeah. particular area. It wasn't a it was script attack. It was somebody was specific, it? somebody specifically um, spending a fair bit of time and yes, a reasonable to- degree of determina- determination to get in there. What do you think, Eva? What did you What did you think of this one? Unmute yourself, Eva. We've got yeah. to get you've got to keep this moving because um, we've got to end this before Heather's painkillers <laughs> run out. All right, no. all right. <laughs> so, uh, like I've actually uh, been part of like a major security breach that had to do with social engineering. Um, and uh, I mean, on the one hand, like it's funny to laugh at him for using an easy password, but on the other hand, like think of all the passwords that you use and like, I'm sure you have at least one that is, like, easy like that. Actually, and, I don't, because I use one password. I might have, uh, yeah, but I your might one have password. crappy I might have crappy usernames, which um, John will testify. But is the password um, that you use pa- to get into... My password that you use to get into one password easy to remember? Well, I can remember it, but it's 10 digits, and okay. it's a mixture of letters, numbers, and something else. Okay, well, you're way better than than most people because there there's people that have 
passwords that they share among their family. Because if they get into that one password account, Heather, they probably yeah. will. Because I'm old now, Heather. Uh, absolutely. And my, mem- my memory is going, Heather. My, actually, my one password probably knows more about me than I actually know about myself <laughs> at this stage of my life. I, I I use my one password to remember what sites I was on because, like, I mean, it, it it remembers the sites for me. That's that's a pretty useful thing. But but realistically, most people, like myself included, and I've been through a major security breach. <laughs> like, I mean, I have some passwords that like are purposely easy because like I share my Netflix account or something. With- oh yeah, I have a, I have a, I have a password that I use on these accounts where I'm just trying it out, and I don't care, you know, if somebody hacks into it. But if I'm ever, if I'm ever going to use it or pay for it, I change the password and I use one password. But when I'm just trying something out, I, I just got a a really weak password for that, but. I don't use that for my banking or, and the main thing, what a little tip folks, um, obviously they want to get into your banking, but what they really want to do is get into your email providers, into yeah. your inbox, and then they can go and reset everything to their heart's content. So you want your maximum length password to be on your email accounts. Mm-hmm. Sorry, so, yeah. No, no, I mean, but that, that's it. Like, I mean, with, it's easy to guess like, so this was, this was a classic example of social engineering. All you need to know is a little bit about someone and you can guess their passwords. Like, uh, and with, with Trump, like, you know, that the things that he talks about the most are like MAGA, 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 and that his, uh, that he, he's going to win. Oh, I thought, I, I misheard you and John. I thought MAGA, I thought you said maggot. No, uh, no. <laughs> no, 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 MAGA. So like, so, like, I mean, the, the the number one thing for him is himself, so Trump. And then the next thing is MAGA, and then 2020. And, like, so, I mean, like, figuring out, like, a variation of these passwords is, is pretty easy. So, like, all you need to know is a little bit about someone, and and then you can... And you hack away, don't you, until account. you get in. There you go. What do you reckon, Spencer? What did you think of this one? I mean, as far as the president scenario in general it's kind of laughable that he gets away with doing stuff that was the basis of his whole campaign about other previous candidates and other presidents in other words the do as i say not as i do extending into the password i mean that's just hilarious that the the leader of the free world allegedly can get away with using an eight digit non-hexadecimal password let alone all the other stuff i mean that's just think about it um I'm sure people have advised him not to do it. I'm sure, but I'm just, I'm, again, do as I say, not as I do. It seems to be the the hallmark of this particular. President, if you're listening to this show, which is very unlikely, go and buy yourself one password. That, that argument, that ship is beyond any of us sailing on anyway. So, like, we already can talk about. I should get them as a sponsor. They're a great company. Oh, I think I'm going to approach them. I've always got my sponsorships from the WordPress community. I'm going to go, I'm going um, I'm going to try outside, actually. One password, yeah, that'd be a good sponsor. I want to comment about that. The difference between using a password manager, uh, doing a pattern, or two-factor authentication. Two-factor authentication, I do think, has now reached the level of simplicity and ease of use that when you're doing things such as your bank accounts, your PayPal, or your Stripe or something, I think it's just good common sense to do it because that extra annoyance 
is well worth the, let's call it the really strong peace of mind. I mean, it's almost impossible to get past that. For most other things, however, I kind of recommend using pattern matching instead of doing um, a password manager because when I help people, those of us over 50 especially, who are on screen, they are hostage to their password manager. And if they don't have access or they forget how to log into that or whatever the hell goes wrong with that, they are screwed to high hell. So what I say is use pattern matching. And pattern matching is you come up with something that is essentially maybe four, four blocks of stuff, a start and end, the website you're on, and some keyword. And what happens is you can just apply that same pattern to any website you go to, and it's hard to forget, but it's really hard to breach as well unless somebody's already seen your other you know, use of it. And by doing that, you kind of get the best of both worlds because you can come up with those things that give you a green light, you know, like this is complex enough, but it's unique for every place you go, and yet it's not hard for the brain to remember. So I, that's my preference over the password managers. Um, but I do think at the end of the day, like passwords are going to go away anyway. There's no way that we could. I can't, I can't remember my master password, Spencer. <laughs> I'm so like seriously. What if you did write this, it down? You know, and well, in your password manager. Is this, a, is this what I've got <laughs> in the next couple of years? This is what I've got to look forward to, Spencer. Yes, well, but, I, I mean, can't remember my master password. Yes, we, we used to pick on people for, you know, having all their passwords written down on a, on a piece of paper, you know, taped to their monitor. But that's actually much safer. You know, the likelihood of your house being broken into and, and somebody stealing your passwords is, you know, that's really much less likely than that somebody would get your password as as a result of being able to break into uh, some site. Yeah, but this is, when I read this article, I thought to myself, who's in charge? You know, I know he's, un, you know, but I'll be naive. I mean, a normal individual. If you're dealing with normal individual. The daughter. Whatever that is, uh, um, but you know, most most attacks are script based. But when you've got a high visible, controversial website like that, you know you're going to have to tighten everything, and you should have to. Why they didn't have two factor authentication literally on the website, I shall never know, because it's clearly every hack, a certain group of individuals are going to have a real go at this website. And you just know it was coming, so you, you you just increased you just increased the amount of security on it to to a much higher level because you know you know this. Otherwise, it's going to get hacked into. Don't you? It, it is interesting because it's different, you know, from most situations. You know, as, as I've pointed out to a lot of clients, there are not too many people unless you've really pissed someone off. There are not too many people out there who are aiming to get into your website. It's just that there are all these bots out there. Well, if you are somebody really famous, uh, there are people aiming to get specifically into your website. Well, you you know, if you're in, you know, I know a certain English podcaster that's upset a few people in the WordPress community, you know, but you make sure his security on on his particular websites are pretty high, you know, but there we go. Uh, um, 
I think we're going to go for the break, folks. And when we come back, we've got some more stories to discuss. And we've got the fantastic Heather Wide back with us. She's a champion. The painkillers are still working. So hopefully she'll be back in with us in the second half. We'll be back in a few moments. Are you a WordPress consultant, designer, or small digital agency owner? Then you need WP Tonic as your trusted white-label developer partner for your next big e-learning or WooCommerce project. WP Tonic has the knowledge to help you build out custom functionality that your clients need in LearnDash, Lifter LMS, and WooCommerce. WP Tonic is well-known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with a full, no-question-asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Find out how WP Tonic's white-label services can help your agency today. Go to wp-tonic.com's homepage and book a free consultation with Jonathan. That's wp-tonic, just like the podcast. We're coming back. I've only got a few two stories, but you know, we the biggest stories, but I think I've got some, we've got some good ones. But before I go into the other stories, I just want to talk about our other sponsor, and that's Groundhog. Groundhog is a native CRM. Uh, um, if you want to stop using something like Active Campaign, Drip, and a lot of the other external ones, and save yourself a bit of money, and also um, have the benefits of integrating with some of the leading WordPress plugins, you should look at Groundhog. Groundhog, like I say, is a, na- is a native plugin CRM. It has all the bells and whistles of the other competition. Go and have a look at it for yourself, for your clients. Go over to the Groundhog website. If you like what you see, go and buy one of their packages and tell them that you heard about them on the WP Tonic Show. So on to story three. Media coverage in WordPress should take another route. What do you think of this one, Sally? Well, um, the story has come up again because uh, apparently uh, Pixel Grade has, you know, restructured its blog and taken all the dates off the post because we discussed this actually uh, almost a, exactly a year ago. Uh, but it's showing up is in the headlines in all the newsletters and things as as oh look this just came out, uh, and the thing is the the point hasn't changed that uh, if you are a company that makes uh, products like Pixel Grade is and you want to have uh, you know to advertise on uh, a site uh, you'd like it to be a site that has, you know, reasonable quality stuff, but that what's happened is basically we have all kinds of new sites that are pretty much just collections of affiliate links uh, and reviews and not very high quality. Uh, and, you know, it's a yeah, suggestion. But that's, what, but that's what Google likes. Well, it often is. I mean, this is the thing is this is what, you know, it gets rewarded enough that people keep doing it. And I, I have seen a lot. I mean, the, you know, the WP content aggregator, which is, uh, you know, supposedly a replacement for uh, um, uh, managewp.org. Uh, I'll miss I that. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it's uh, especially curated, although it lets people no. vote on stuff. And, and most of it is really just, um, you know, it's, it's, thinly if that uh veiled promotion and uh, a lot of it not very well written uh and you know it is unfortunate because if you have a situation where like Jonathan does you know you know your sponsors uh you, you actually use their products you can you know develop an ongoing relationship with them uh you know good things can come out of that in ways that they don't necessarily 
out of a, I'm just going to slap affiliate links to every product anyone mentions to me uh, here uh, and, you know, not care if the advertiser isn't getting a lot of value for money and the reader is getting almost no value. Oh, what did you think of this, Eva? So, um, as an author, like I, I have a lot of articles that I put on sites and, and I actually prefer uh, real content. Um, I mean, I think that when you're, uh, when you're writing, I mean, I agree with, with the idea that you need to have value in, in what you're posting um, because there's so many, like whenever you click through to something and, and you find it's just another article that's all about like, oh, here's like insert SEO uh, buzzwords here. And then like, it's an article. I mean, even when you're like looking for uh, a recipe now, it seems like it's just a whole, <laughs> yeah, I see nods here. I mean, you, you have to go through like a whole bunch of stuff about like, oh, and here's the pot that I use from William Sonoma and the thing before you even scroll down to get to the recipe. I mean, it's ridiculous. So um, yeah, it's all of this SEO stuffing is, is terrible. And I mean, I, I agree with the, um, the sites that are, that have evergreen content that, that, um, doesn't need to, to have all of this stuff that's not playing the SEO game. Like if people want to, if people know that, that this is valuable, they'll go to it, they'll find it on their own. Yeah, it's kind of, um, I'm going to put this over to John, but I'll just say this. I've just noticed that when it comes to Google and page ranking and that, it's um, it's a, it seems to me a strange concoction of obviously very sophisticated technology or not really, because, you know, if you look at a number of the key phrases around WordPress, the, the same sites appear and their content is pretty shallow. But they're but they're being at it. They've got such a demand authority, and they've got such a backlink library of backlinks that it's practically impossible to push them out. But the actual, you, you, I've noticed that you 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 tend to get the better articles in the middle of the of the page, in like the fourth or fifth, um, where the top ones. It's pretty they. They established their authority years ago, and basically the content they're supplying now is pretty poor. Am I right about that at all, John, or am I just um, just stuck a hole for myself? No, I mean that rings pretty true. Um, a lot of times, what you'll see at the top of search results, especially if you're searching for best themes or best plugins or best hosting, is a bunch of listicles, and especially with the hosting, it seems like you're actually getting a list of the worst hosts. It's just that they have the best affiliate They have the payout. best payouts. They have the best payouts. And, but I mean, this is the thing that goes back like even to, you know, 10 years ago in podcasting, there's a lot of people that would push uh, very in, inferior products just for strictly for the payout. Um, the way that, that Google ranking works like really today is if Google sees that there's like a pattern of um, these listicle type articles. Oh, I'm sorry to interrupt, but yeah, it's, it is in, it does in some ways it is sophisticated, but in other ways it is a, is a, it's a strange beast. Yeah, that's exa- that's exactly what I'm trying to say. Is um, if it sees this pattern 
of listicles and, you know, and people seem to be satisfied, then it like pushes more of that to the top. And like you said before, these sites that already have established some authority, it's very easy for them to use that to sell out to whoever's paying out the most or whoever they're friends with like that week and push whatever affiliate product is at the top. Or as Heather said, with the recipe sites, they have, you know, this big long thing. Apparently it works. And, you know, um, regardless well, of what They've think, learned that yeah. long content is yeah. good for SEO. And uh, at least some of them have a sort of skip to the recipe button, but it's like, I don't actually need a photograph with every single step of your recipe. Uh, I know how to cook. Well, they go, do you know, how to, or you do know how to cook, don't you, Spencer? Because I've seen you at it. So You know, I've, I've, I respect the SEO business and John's our expert here. Oh, you're, you're going to, oh, I forgot what your position is. You, 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 your I, position, position is, is SEO doesn't, you don't need to bother with it. It's all there, do you? If you go to the red light district of Amsterdam, you know what you're going to get for a date. So don't be surprised when you don't have to pull out your wallet. If you want to win the SEO game with Google, you have to deal with the fact that you pay them. I don't know what kind of dating you do, but any dates yeah. I go on, I'm going to put my wallet out. From my wayward you. <laughs> the, point, the point is that if you, if you are in 2020 and you think that you're going to win the organic search game with Google, without pulling your wallet out or doing keyword stuffing or all the other shenanigans, you're out of your freaking mind. And so I say to people, or you can pull a Seth Godin on this and just build an authentic audience based upon a niche pain point that you solve, and you'll have less people who are more aligned with you and build an audience based upon truly the relationship you have. Google is what it is. Nobody's going to change them at this point. My God, they're under antitrust investigation. So like this article is true, begging the question, maybe it's like me ranting about Gutenberg. Maybe it's like never going to go on anybody's ears because nobody gives a shit. It's against their better interest at Google to give up the system they built. So I think it's a question as somebody takes the system away from Google, breaks open the system. But as long as other people are willing to pay and play the game, that system will continue. Yes. All right. On to story... Um... Story four, uh, America's toxic love affair with technology. What did you think of this one, Heather? Uh, I mean, I'm a, I'm a technophile. I'm an early adopter. I am someone that uh, as soon as they have brain implants uh, so that I can like instantly, I'm, I'm totally doing that. So uh, whether that's a toxic love affair, like I am, I'm, I mean, make me a cyborg today, you know? Um, no, I mean, I think that there are definitely people that don't understand the, the ethical ramifications of the technology that they're given. Um, and there's people that are. Wait, where's Morton? <laughs> and, Hopefully uh, you will be returning in the new year to be more regular on the show, Sally. Yeah. I would be delighted. Cool. And, and like, there's, it's, but the thing is that, that there's, that's always been a thing. I mean, like go back to Galileo and this is kind of what the article touches on with the, the book that this article about touches on that like anytime a new technology exists, there's people that are like, quick burn it, it's a witch, you know? And um, and then there's other people that are like me that, that like 
are are willing to um, to test it out to to understand what this is and um, and to just go go forth and and like help explore and expand the, the understanding. It's a strange. It's a bit like our, uh, my um, reflection of your of what you just said. Really, Heather is after reading the article, I was. I've come to the conclusion, and I, I think it is a pattern, that some of the most fundamental techno- technologies um, that have affected society the most in the past 70 years, and I was reflecting on my parents. My parents now are both dead, but they lived through the most dramatic change in British society ever from where they were young adults and and they died in the in the 90s. Um, they saw more change in that period ever. But some of the most fundamental t- technologies that have changed society, like birth control or um, nuclear weaponry, or there's absolutely no discussion about... They, they, they're just kind of a group of um, bureaucrats or a, a group of elites... And it's and it's just kind of thrown on society. So I, I think a lot of the political discussion that we so many people get so so hot and bothered about is really just fluff, really. Uh, um, and the fundamental stuff is never really discussed. Uh, I got, what, what do you reckon, John? Do you think I'm on anything like that, or am I just waffling again? Yeah, I mean the the issues like you're talking about. I mean they're. I mean, they've always been, it's, it's nothing to do with technology. I I think an observation that I have um, with the obsession with technology is uh, in the modern uh, society, it's almost like a marker of, of um, a class. We use like um, our consumption patterns of technology as an indicator of our social status such as like with your car or your phone or your computer or what, whatever it is, these are, these are more like markers of, of your success or lack of, uh, in the world. Um, you know, mankind uses whatever technology is available at that time to do both good and terrible things. So I, I think that that will continue into the future. So it's really you got a really interesting point. I was listening to a English radio station first thing this morning, and because I like to keep myself up with um, home, really a little bit. And um, like they were saying, Apple sales of laptops in the UK in the last quarter had gone up by a third, but at the same time, a third of the population are using food banks because they literally them and their families are starving. And the social welfare system has been cut back in the UK so much that they can't actually feed their families. And I thought, what a contradiction. One for, like, you know, max sales are up by by a third, and then another third of the population can't even feed itself. I thought that's a bit of a contradiction. It just shows that the And possibly some of them are the same people. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, it could be, could it? Yeah, it could be, could it? You know, people are crazy, aren't they? 
Go and well, sign it. What's I, your I don't know. I can't make a living without a decent computer. But uh, 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 so it's, it, you know, you can understand a, a conundrum. Oh, how is your Game Boy with 15 fans and 10 processors doing then? The Rescue Gal is, is uh, doing very well. Thank you very much. Um, uh, and uh, it's a bit of a beast, isn't it? Oh yes, she's a she. She is something. Oh, is she, she got a, what's she got a name? Areshkigal is the uh, Mesopotamian goddess of the underworld. I don't. Know, you, God smack me there. I don't know how to react to that. Actually, <laughs> I, I name most of my computers after deities. Um, oh right. Uh, right there so we the, go. One, the one downstairs is Ninciana, who was a Mesopotamian goddess of the dawn. Uh, any anyway, getting back to do you re, do you name your computers ever? I I used to. Um, I don't anymore, but I used to name them um, after uh, moon moons, so planetary moons. So I had like Phobos, Deimos, things like that. I feel a bit lacking now. What about you, Spencer? Do you name your computers or do you just kick them around, basically? All my computers have those uh, voice-activated assistants, so I have three girlfriends all around the house all the time. This one is Cortana. <laughs> but we can't say her name too loud because Siri or Alexa will get jealous. So <laughs> that's how it works around here. I don't need you have her situation. I don't need <laughs> any more naming because I already have two kids that are named like Zach and Jack, and that causes me enough grief of which one I'm talking to at the time. So. Uh, well, so what, I, what, I, I grew up as half of Sal and Al, so. There we go. <laughs> so what did you think of this article then, um, Spencer? You know, I think yeah. the, the weird thing about humans is that although we seem to be going backwards and forwards a lot, I think over history you can see that fundamentally societies, human societies have become less... Um, destructive to ourselves. In other words, we've got greater, greater power and we use it less and less. I know on a local level, it doesn't seem like that. But for example, there was a World War II was 75, 80 years ago. And the threat of nuclear annihilation has pretty much kept us from other than regional type wars or, you know, nation to nation across the ocean little conflicts. So the point I'm making is that I think it's weird that as civilized as we seem to be getting incrementally, even though it seems weird that we aren't sometimes, that we're still susceptible to our animal nature and our tribal animal instincts are, if you get a powerful tool that's more powerful than the other tribe, you go take everything from the other tribe or you beat the crap out of the other tribe. And there, there doesn't seem to be yet a spiritual enlightenment across the board, although I hope that it will happen someday, where we could just go, we're all like one part of the same thing. There's this tendency, I have a bigger stick, a more powerful tool. I am going to pretend that I'm the benevolent dictator, but I'm really going to beat the crap out of you or suppress you with it. And that's what technology enables. And we're seeing that even on the, look at Google, like our last conversation. They said we will no, no, do no harm or whatever their bullshit was at the beginning. And now they're being held to, to ask for doing a lot of harm, you know, or maybe. Right. Well, it's, I mean, you know, what it's saying is that, you know, technology has these impacts. And uh, I think in some cases, people have not considered the wider social impact or the potential misuse. And in other cases, they haven't cared. I mean, the, the Luddites were not afraid of technology, qua technology. The Luddites understood that these, you know, looms with the punch cards were going to put them out of a job. Uh, and <clears throat> that, uh, 
you know, uh, this is exactly, you know, the, the, are the robots coming to take our jobs? Well, in some cases, probably yes. And <clears throat> so, you know, there is a social impact of things um, that's part of them working as intended. And then there's all of the, oh, we somehow never imagined that people were going to a- attempt to use this for evil. It's like, look, if it exists, there will be somebody out there who attempts to use it for evil. So so at least try to address ahead of time uh, how that might be done. Yeah, I think you made some excellent points there because especially about the looms, you know, they're kind of um, in... in uh, the kind of narrative, the um, normal narrative about them is that they were backward and they were against modernization. Then the truth is they were. They were just they they were just trying to fight for their uh, existence, their livelihood because they knew they were going to be put on the scrap heap. So, uh, um, so uh, I think that's quite interesting. Yeah, like, you know, all the buggy whip makers uh, did not have a very good time in business after the automobile was invented. Yeah. You know, yeah, we, but- we, we might consider that the social cost is worth it, but we shouldn't pretend it's not going to be there. Uh, that, that's, uh, that's a very good point. So on to, um, on to stories, oh, story five. I think we touched it in the first half, but we might, you know, because, because Sally and uh, other people and uh, um, can't drag a drop blocks in 5.5. Uh, what did you think of this one, Sally? It's Spencer's story. Do you want to introduce it or are we going to keep him quiet? No, I thought I was... Let's unleash the... Let's unleash him. This is just the referral that I was giving you earlier, which was after much much consternation of, am I losing my mind? I'm looking at their documents showing there's... Keep using Gutenberg, he will do. (laughs) Supposedly there's a drag handle. This was an article that can't drag drag and drop blocks in 5.5. And this is current as of a couple months and up to a week ago, where other more sane people than myself were saying, wait a second, I'm looking at your documentation. I'm watching the video. There's supposed to be a drag handle here. There's not. There's a thing with an up and down arrow. And supposedly you have to click something that looks like up and down arrows, hold it, then drag it. And at the same time, all those other limitations. And this is what I stumbled upon that let me know, like, oh, my God, the last hour of my life was not for naught. It was wasted, but at least it was that I'm not crazy. I got validation that somebody thought it was No, that problem is not you. Uh, It's quite quite interesting, really, Spencer, because I've got a major client um, that had their whole website redesigned in Gutenberg, and John John helps me um, with the support and maintenance and uh, they seem to be reasonably coping with it, John, don't they? We, you know, they seem to uh, be using it without, you know, we have to change yeah. the odd thing, don't we? But they seem at it, don't they? Yeah, they they manage quite well. I mean, they they have figured it out, you yeah. know. I, I think that the point I give... So I think it is old age, Spencer. Is, no, is, this was a problem. And and if you'd right, used right, Gutenberg right. before, you there was a drag handle there. It was clear what it did. Uh, and they took it away. And I, too, thought at first, we can't drag and drop blocks anymore. And It's the point of, like, controls that make sense, not because you've gotten used to the quirks. I am used to the quirks of, let's say, Elementor or Divi or something. And I can work my way around the quirks like Speed Demon. It's that... 
you're making something new as the default in a world where people shouldn't know the secret three-finger twisting motion to the left at 90 degrees on a Tuesday is how you get to your home screen. And they're trying to say it's better and easier and blah, blah, blah. And I'm simply saying, the guy who's, it's no fault of his, this guy, Marius, who's the moderator, his explanation was, again, nothing to do with him. The drag and drop is available by clicking and holding down on the up or down buttons for a second. You can then drag the block around. Although this isn't very obvious, it's an interface that is being iterated on and will hopefully be more intuitive with the next update. Until then, we can only apologize for the confusion. And I'm saying, wait, you had it documented as a thing that was drag and drop that worked. You took it away, didn't tell anybody, admit that you didn't tell anybody, and now you're saying you're working on it and we'll get back to you. And it's like, how do you take them seriously when they say that Gutenberg is this amazing new thing that's going to do all this stuff? All right, and Heather, Heather, you know, you were one of the founder employees at Evernote. Was there a lot of discussion about uh, usability icons, how people use the interface and... How does that conversation normally go, actually? Uh, Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of that kind of stuff. And uh, what we generally, like, I mean, even when the, uh, we were developing stuff before new new technology came out. So, like, when the iPhone, before the iPhone came out, we had, like, a a mock-up, like, on cardboard of the iPhone and tried to figure out, like, what, uh, how our app would look on that. Like we did that with the iPad, with the BlackBerry, with the every kind of thing that would come out and and trying to figure out how a user is going to use something um, on a different screen in a different way before they ever see your product is one of the hardest things that you can do. Um, so it's like the best thing that you can do is have a lot of usability focus groups and and um, and and do a lot of that user testing. And if you're not doing that, then then like that's when you can slam people. But if you if they are doing that and people and they still released it and people are okay with it, like I mean, if if the majority of the people in their focus groups said that this was okay, then um, maybe they have the wrong people in there, or maybe it's just because you guys are developers and you don't like it. Rightio, I think um, we'll wrap up the stories. I think we're going to our recommendations of the week now. Uh, I'm going to recommend um, a new player in the, in the native CR WordPress CRM system. I've looked at it a little bit. Obviously, um, we've been pushing Adrian's Groundhog, but I think competition always helps in pursuing excellence so um it was great to see that there was another serious player entering this field because um until about a year ago um there was hardly anybody in the native wordpress crm market and the project i'm talking about is fluent crm um you know go and have a look at it uh, um it's a new play it's been it was launched about a month ago um have a have a look at that and also have a look at Adrian's groundhog as well so um sally have you got anything you want to recommend to the listeners and viewers and panel please put everything into chat all the links it helps me with the show notes Off you uh, go, yes. Sally. it's time to take the uh wordpress uh <clears throat> 2020 uh survey 
Uh, and you can also read the results of the 2019 uh, survey. This is what Matt uses in his State of the Word to talk about basically what's going on in the WordPress world. Uh, it's available in English, French, German, Japanese, Russian, and Spanish. There we go. Um, Heather, have you got anything you want to plug or come on your radar lately that you think might be interesting for our listeners and viewers? Uh, I don't have anything WordPress related, but um, doesn't my, have to. It never stopped me, Heather. <laughs> my new book is coming out in the next Ooh. two weeks, so um, you guys were the first people that I announced it with. Uh, so I think it's uh, full circle is pretty cool. Um, it's called Birth of a Unicorn, and it's about the uh, Evernote story. So how Evernote was founded. So that's going to be, I think, really interesting to your your um, audience. Um, and uh, I don't have the the link yet, uh, but I will. Well, you'll be coming on the show, hopefully, yes. you know, reasonably yeah. regularly, not every week, but yeah. when, you, but I, when, I you, when you're free, you can plug it some more, can't yeah. you? But I never. Found... I have no problem the panel <laughs> consistently plugging their own stuff. Right. No, but I found they don't out do this it every morning. week. I found well. out this morning that it has a release date and it's going to be. Oh, it must be exciting. Soon, so. Yay. Yeah, we're good. Oh, there we are. John, have you got anything you want to plug? Come yeah, this, this is a video that I've seen. This is kind of um, a shorter version of a talk that this same person gave, Jeffrey Robinson. Um, he's given another talk called History of Racism in America. This one was a, a shorter version. It was about one hour and 50 minutes. Um, it's very enlightening. And I guarantee that you will, everybody that watches it will learn at least actually, one Actually, I've watched that actually, and he, he actually did a really fantastic job. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of stuff that we still are, have never learned and never been taught. And it's it's very interesting to uh, just see these things and, and just see the truth. So, you know, it changes your perspective a little bit. So that's my recommendation. And go Sorry. vote, please. Today, <laughs> I've sent my ballot out two yeah, weeks mine's ago. Mine's accepted, yeah. Uh, um, and I checked it, I could check it online. Yeah, mine's which, accepted, yeah. Which, um, I had um, mixed feelings about. I could check that my vote, and, uh, but there we go. Uh, you just have to accept it, then go with the flow. You know, if they come for me, I'm going back to England, so there we are. Uh, um, Spencer. Sp- I'm trying to cross the Canadian. I use my English passport, British passport <laughs> across Canada, actually. Uh, um, they're much nicer than Americans anyway. Uh, um, Spencer's, oh, shit, shit, I'm going to get some email. Uh, Spencer, Spencer, got anything you want to recommend? Uh, a good article uh, by Kristen Wright over at iThemes, WordPress Caching, The Essential Guide. And it was good because I think caching is the number one thing that people do not understand. And they also suffer the consequence at the same time of the the bad things that it can do to the behavior. Also, the good things if done properly. But in 2020, especially anybody who's running a dynamic website, which means WordPress with WooCommerce or with marketing automation or something that is constantly changing, cannot just go in and slap slap hazardly. Put on. Cash. I like that. That that's a that's a great coinage. Right. You you just have to think through it. In particular, most of the time, the rule is if the people are logged in, you don't cash them. If they aren't, then you can because caching is like a Polaroid picture. And if you're buying something 
and you have a Polaroid picture that doesn't look like anything has changed. It's it's sort of like watching Back to the Future, and you're waiting for the you know the photo to to fade into something else. So this is a great article to explain the basics. But my goal is for anybody to understand: when in doubt, do not cash, because it's being thrown at people by default these days. And I think a lot of people are coming to us with problems that. I go, oh, yeah, I see you got rocket cash enabled. Do you want to turn that off for a second? Oh, magic. It works. Well, so. you know, we, we, you know, obviously, I mean, the support, um, we support over 100 websites now um, of different sizes and that. So I, um, but the two, the two things that, you know, often come up is plugging conflict and um, caching. They're, they're, they're the two that, are consistent in the stories oh, yeah. of woe that I have to if listen to a, and deal with on a, on, a, on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. If you're having a really weird problem, blame caching. It, it, almost, well, it almost is always, the, and the problem with caching beyond the obvious is that there's multiple types and layers. You know, you've got CDNs could be involved, which are content delivery networks, which are holding your images in between you and the, the server. You've got the browser cache. You've got things at the server level like Varnish or PHP cache or, you know, memcache. There's, there's lots of layers here. And if you have a host who is non-cooperative, and ironically, that even includes WP Engine, where they just don't tell the kids on the bus where they're the driver's going. Cool. They're not that cooperative. You, I would say, but I would say kids do reasonably. No, I'm saying uncooperative. In other words, um, I'm saying yeah, if, it's not, I mean. if it's not transparent to you as the site owner, whether cash is on or not, you could really go in circles for quite some time with behavior that it's impossible to track down because it's not consistent between page to page to page. So again, this is something for anybody who's curious about what am I talking about or what should I do to make my site faster or more performance oriented, rather than worrying about the size of stuff and your imagery and all that, which is still important, look at the caching setup. And if all else fails, remove it Get the site set up, and then once you know what's supposed to happen, then you can thoughtfully apply caching in certain spots and certain uh, areas. But even then, today in 2020, we are in a land and a world of abundance where even the simplest phone can get 50 megabytes of download off of typical cell phone speeds. So caching is a, is a legacy of a couple of years ago when we were all on really slow connections. And now I'm not saying it's not ish, an issue, but it's not the primary thing you need to do on a, a brand new site or a site that's under development. Yeah, I would agree with you. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah no, well, not, not while you're building it, but uh, there are still lots of places uh, where one does not get a good connection. And so you have to think about, you know, who am I aiming at that's going to be uh, yeah. going to be seeing this? For sure. I mean, but like... But, I, think, you, but what what I agree, what, what I agree with Spencer, what I agree with Spencer is... When you're and when you're building or starting out, you want to you want to keep things as simple as possible, and then build on top. If the fan if you if you don't understand, and like I say, a lot of it is that. Uh, well, yeah, this, this is why things like Cloudflare have the developer mode, uh, like turn off the darn caching for a while so I can actually see if my code has made any difference. And this applies to the plugin level too, or even the page builder. So I have very smart people who come to me with their business ideas. And the first thing I see them struggling with is, like, for example, Chrome has a free plugin. There's many of them, uh, an extension that will automatically clear your cache every time you reload the page or you hit a button. Many of the people I see are very smart business people come in and they're just, 
unclear as to why this thing that is so transparently right in front of them isn't doing what it's supposed to. And then I say, well, let's refresh the cache. And, and they let's go, not oh. even talk about the cache on your iPhone. Right. And so these are the things that it's, it's again, part of us getting towards an ideal system is that we make some of these things that are otherwise fixes for past performance either go away or so transparently workable that we don't ever have to think about them. Right. In my car, I don't think about adjusting the carburetor anymore because nobody has a carburetor. That used to be the number one thing you did in a tune-up when you had an old car in the I center. can't beat a good old carburetor. You know, well, at least let's this wrap this up because Heather needs to go and take some more tablets. Uh, um, you know, so, uh, um, sorry, Heather, I've got to have a go. Uh, um, at least she's smiling. It could be grimacing, actually. Uh, um, so, Heather, how can people find out more about you, your book, and what you're up to? Uh, you can find me everywhere on social uh, at Heatheriel and also at Heatheriel.com. So, John, what's the best way for people to find out more about you, your interests, and what you're up to? You can find me at my YouTube channel. Just search for Lockdown SEO or go to my website, LockdownSEO.com. All right. And um, Sally, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? I am either at Sally Getch or WP Fangirl on a pretty much everything. Website is WPFangirl.com. That's great. And Spencer, what's the best way for people to find out about your complaints about Gutenberg and what else you're up to? I would say uh, come on over to launchflows.com because we've got the 3.2 update, which I think for anybody who wants to do WooCommerce uh, custom checkout experience is worth uh, having a look at. Yeah, and uh, Spence is going to be doing a series of webinars with me starting uh, next month. Should be the second week, um, the second Friday of the week, uh, just recently after our roundtable show, um, when he can um, give me some verbiage and that, all the information will be up. I'm only teasing him, he's been busy. Uh, um, uh, all the verbiage will be up on the WP Tonic, um, you just go to the main navigation and there's a button called webinar and you click it and you will be able to sign up. And we're going to, we're going to have a series of webinars where we're going to have a feast of information and knowledge about marketing optimization. You know, if you're a agency, a freelancer, a power user, and you've been um, looking at marketing automation, but you just can't do that first step, we will be going through literally everything to get you up to speed, showing you the technology, how to use WordPress. Spencer is an expert on it, and it should be a great series of webinars. Like I say, starting next, next month. Uh, um, we'll be back next week with another great panel. Uh, um, we'll see you soon, folks. Bye. Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week.